0: This teaching is brought to you by Christian Family Church International. It's a message that you'll be able to take to someone else and, and, and help them as well. Because I really believe that there's never been a time where the gospel is more needed than right now, family, when there's just so many people who just seem to have lost all sense of hope. So really, as I said, I I hope that this is really going to encourage you. But more than that, that it will inspire you to help others in in the season that we find ourselves. Have you found maybe through the season that you may have been using these words? It's just unfair. Is it just me? Okay, it's just unfair that we just can't have church like we used to. It's just unfair that I can't go do my shopping like I prefer to. It's just unfair that maybe my job looks completely different to what it used to look. It's just unfair that I can't spend the time with my family and friends like I want to. And I can't even go and see that person in the hospital. It's unfair that you guys have to sit in in church with this thing of your face. It's unfair that I can't come down there and give you a hug that I still really want to do that. So I don't know whether you've said that, but <laughs> I know I have. And really, family, the truth is that this in this season, it's kind of treated us all differently. And for many of us, we have experienced some very unfair circumstances. I mean, we didn't ask for them. We certainly didn't create them. We just had to kind of put up with them, right? And for a lot of us, I mean, whether you're at home right now, whether you're in, in our auditoriums here, really it has affected us in so many different ways. You know, for some, I mean, maybe you've, you've had a loss of employment. And for others, maybe you're in the hand sanitizing business, and this has been a really good time for you. <laughs> right. But some other businesses are really struggling because of circumstances beyond their control, and it's just unfair. Now, if you're a parent here tonight, I mean, you know your children have probably often said, it's unfair! It's normally because somebody's got something that they want, right? And what do we respond as parents? We normally say something like, well, life's unfair. Get over it. right? I don't know if this needs to be fixed or something. So, let me carry on. But if you said that? Anyone out there? Okay, so you may think, oh, Pastor Janie, this is not a very encouraging message. Where are you going with this thing? Just hang in there. It's going to get better, okay? But really, there just are seasons in life sometimes that seem to be unfair, and maybe that's the best way to describe them. You know, it's just like like we teach our children that sometimes we tend to forget it as adults that, you know, when there are certain things that we have to learn to navigate in these situations, e- even as believers. And so really, today, I want to speak, family, into that place of unfair, whatever that may look like to you right now. And really, what I want to do is I want to be able to, to give you hope in that place of unfair. But here's first what I want to share with you, though. Consider this. There's something else that's unfair. And it really is. It's the grace. And the favor and the goodness of God, I mean, that's really unfair. It's unfair that he lavishes it over us when we really don't deserve it. And every day, family, he extends towards us his mercy and his goodness and his kindness when we're actually not deserving of it. It's unfair that he would do so much for us when we just feel there's actually so little that we can do in return. Am I right? So the good news is, is if you feel like you're dealing with an unfair scenario right now, I want you to know that there is hope for you today. And that there is a story that God is writing by his grace and his favor that maybe we just need to be reminded of. So really, when I read through the Bible, I want to tell you there are many people that had to deal with unfair circumstances. I mean, think about it. It was unfair that Moses was born as a boy at a time where there was an edict in the land that all little boys should be murdered. It was unfair that there was this guy that every time his mother looked at him, all she could think about was the pain that she endured when she brought him into the world to the point where she named him Jabez, which means pain. Now, you all know that I love the story of Jabez, right? Right. But you know what? He took his unfair circumstance to God and he said to God, I wonder if you could write me a different story. I wonder if you could do something to change the script. And God said, I like that. I like that you've not just lived with this title that somebody gave you, but you have come to the one who can rename you today. And family, that's who we are coming to. We are coming to the one who renames and rewrites the story of our lives. So I want to take us right now to a place in the Bible that the story plays out about very unfair circumstances that somebody had to deal with. And really, what I want us to learn from what they did, how they navigated this thing, so we can apply this to our own lives. The message is about a place actually called Lodibar. Now, this was an actual place where people actually lived, and I'm saying that because it wasn't a great place. It wasn't one of those places that you pass through on holiday and say, ooh, I'd like to live here. In fact, I think the property prices were pretty low, and I also think it definitely wasn't high on the tourist list in that area because Lodibar literally means this, a place of no pasture, no word, no thing. Actual place that existed in the Word. So really, I think in this season, that just maybe we feel, or maybe something has happened in our lives that has caused us to feel that, man, I'm I'm living in Lodi Bar. <laughs> I just feel like 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 I'm I, I've lost everything. I just feel that that something has happened, and and there's just all these things. It made me feel like those things that made me comfortable being removed. I feel like I don't have a voice anymore. I feel like I don't know how to express myself anymore. I just feel like everything that was connected to me has all been disconnected. And that's kind of the place called Lodi Bar, right? Now, if that's where you kind of feel or, or maybe somebody that you love is currently living, it's time to step in and help them out of Lodi Bar into the grace and the favor of God. Now, this person ended up there through nothing that he did, and really no choice of his own, and his life was very unfair. And this is Mephibosheth's story, and it's told in the Book of Second Samuel. And I want to read to you really how this child's life, literally in a moment, turned from being very good to very, very hard. Let's just have a look at it right now. 2 Samuel chapter 4, verse 4, it says, Jonathan, the son of Saul, had a son who was lame in both feet. He was five years old when the news about Saul and Jonathan came from Jezreel. Now, family, the, the news that came from Jezreel that day was that this little boy lost his dad and his granddad. I mean, it's unfair that overnight, this little boy lost the two people in life that he looked up to, his father and his grandfather, Now, because he lived, obviously, in the royal household, there's this urgency now to move him out of there because, obviously, his life would be endangered now that there would be a fight over who would take over the dynasty of that household. And really, the person that he really thought should have been able to look up to and the person he should have been trusting should be, let's have a look at this, his nurse, let's see what it says. It says, his nurse picked him up and fled, but as she hurried to leave, he fell and became disabled, his name was Mephibosheth. In one moment, his life went from one reality to a whole other reality. He went from being a prince to a fugitive. He went from being an able-bodied person to a disabled person. Family, he went from a palace lifestyle to this place that he was taken to of Lodi Bar. Now, maybe you feel that maybe you were in one place and now you're in a completely different place. And maybe you were employed and now you're not. And maybe you kind of knew what was happening in your future and where you were going. And now you just have no clue what your future is going to look like. That was his life. So, we want to draw some lessons from this man's journey and what did he do and how did he end up leaving Lodi Bar? Because I've got news for you tonight, family. We are going to leave Lodi Bar. Amen? Some of you don't even think it's possible to get a different story out of this season. But I want you to know that God is writing your story already. And that is going to change your future. So I want us to really have a look at Mephibosheth's story. But the first thing that I want us to learn here is this. Have a look at this. The status that life gives you does not alter the significance within you. Family, listen to that again. The status that life gives you does not alter the significance within you. Mephibosheth, he lost his title. He did not lose his value. Only his title. He did not lose his value. And let me tell you something, in this pandemic, there's a lot of people that maybe your roles have changed. There's a lot of people maybe your status has changed, but your status does not alter your significance. You are a child of God. You are chosen. You are valued. You are loved. You are called. And I think in the season of shaking, there's just some things that maybe we were clinging to for our identity, and maybe some of the things that we were building our lives on have really revealed themselves to be very unstable structures. So we really, you know, it's almost like we come to church and we say, you know what, I'm building my life on Jesus, and then suddenly we lose our job, and we say, oh, I thought I was building my life on Jesus. But maybe, just maybe I built my life on, on, on my status of my employment. Or maybe I built my life on that relationship rather than on my sonship and my daughtership in Jesus. And in this shaking period, we begin to realize that we have allowed some things to define us that God never intended to define us. And the label that life gives you, family, is not what God calls you. You are not that label of being disabled or unemployed or single parents or or divorcee or ex-addict or whatever it might be. You you are not any of those things. You see, when, when God calls you, He calls you by name, not by label. Amen? And we just really have to realize that. So really when we look at the status of someone, if we're going to look at status, let's look at the status of Gideon. <laughs> Remember that? I mean, when, they came, when the guy came to Gideon, what do you say? He says, me, I'm the weakest of the weakest of the weakest of the weak. I mean, there, there's a whole lot of weak there, right? Now, family, you guys at home, maybe that's how you're feeling right now. I just feel weak. I just feel like I've got no energy. I just feel like I'm covered with nothingness. And maybe I'm just being embraced by total lethargy. And it's funny how we can get into this lifestyle in this season of thinking that pajamas is all day, every day wear. (laughs) Ooh, clothes! (laughs) What did we used to do with those things? And listen, if you guys are at home and you're still in your PJs since this morning, no conviction. Just saying. But it's amazing how we can begin to change the way we look, maybe the way we dress, the way we speak. Why? Because of what's happening around us instead of looking at what's happening on the inside of us. So Gideon was the weakest of the weakest of the weak, but God steps into Gideon's life and he says, Hey, mighty warrior, right? I am rewriting your story That is not who I say you are. Praise the Lord. What about Mary? Mary was an unwed teenager. And God spoke into her life and she became the carrier of the Savior. So family, we've really got to realize that God's labeling of our life does not look like man's. And the grace of God is able to rewrite every part of our story. In 2 Samuel chapter 9, this begins to happen for Mephibosheth because what happens here is that God starts to put Mephibosheth on somebody's mind. And I love this part because I want you to know tonight that God can put you on somebody's mind. God can put you on somebody's thinking. God can put you on somebody's thought pattern, maybe somebody that you don't even know right now, but your name is coming to mind and they are going to help write want God's favor into your story. Some of you really, even as I'm speaking right now, maybe there's a name coming to your mind who's currently living, that person living in, in Lodibar. And maybe God is gonna use you because he wants you to take the good news to that person. So you may just say to them, just go to them and say, you know what? It's time to leave Lodibar, you can come with me. So this is what happens. And I just love this. Let's just have a look here. Because all of a sudden we read, look at this. It says, David asked, is there anybody still left in the house of Saul to whom I can show kindness for Jonathan's sake? Here's the thing you need to know. Favor will find you. God's grace knows exactly where you are. And you might be Trying to plan all these ways to get your life back on the track that you want it to be. And God's stepping in and he's saying, what if I have a better track? What if I have a higher way? What if I have a plan that exceeds your plan? What if right now I am placing you on somebody's mind and they're going to be asking the question that's going to lead to a part of your story being written? Me, so, so David says, I'm going to actually just paraphrase here a little bit, okay? David says, is there anyone? And, and somebody steps forward and he says, oh yeah, you know, there, there is still a son of Jonathan alive. You know, he, he's lame in both feet. And David says, where is he? And he says, he's in Lodibar. He's in a place where there's no posture, no word, no thing. And David says, I love this. Send somebody and bring him to me. I just love it when God gets involved and he says, He sends for you and he calls for you. Family, now this is what you need to know that when God calls for you, you, you've got to respond. Amen. You see, when Mephibosheth was going to have to respond, when that invitation came to leave Lodi Bar, and you are going to have to respond to that invitation, when God comes to you, and he gives you an, an opportunity to leave that place where maybe you become so, very comfortable. Maybe I should speak to you guys at home. And maybe you're like, "I don't actually want to put clothes on anymore." These pajamas have actually molded themselves to my body, and they just fit me so perfectly. And actually, I don't think I ever want to wear shoes again. I mean, look how pretty my feet look. And I like my slippers. And just leave me alone. (laughs) But I want you to know this that you are called to run to the things of God. So you're going to need to change your shoes. How many do you even know how many people are living in Lodi Bar? I mean, people really that are in your community and the world around you, that really just find themselves in that place where they don't know where any pastor is, they don't know where to find any hope. And really, in steps the church. Because in our story, David steps in and he says, I'm sending you an invitation. Would you like to leave Lodi Bar? I know there's another way to live. I know that there's hope for your hopelessness. And God is calling us to go out and call those people to mind, to invite them to leave Lodi Bar. But family, you've got to leave first. So I wanted you to have a look at this. Number two, Lodi Bar may be your location, but it is not your final destination. So stop moving your furniture Into Lodi Bar and stop putting up the family portraits in Lodi Bar and stop getting your pets comfortable in Lodi Bar because I'm telling you, this is not your end destination. This season will pass. It will pass. You need to know that. And I know that it's hard. I know it's horrible walking around with this thing on your face wherever you go. But you, you must know that God is good and His Word is final. Family. So don't move into Lodi Bar and stop inviting others to come and live there with you. I <laughs> mean, you know what it says in Psalm 23? I mean, you know this anyway. It says he makes me lie down in green pastures. But if we go to verse 4, it says, He helps me to walk through. He leads me through the valley of the shadow of death, right? He leads me through the valleys. Now, we as a church, we get this whole thing the wrong way around. Because what am I doing? I'm lying down in my valley and I'm rushing through my pasture. And God's like, stop. I never said that you must lie down in your valley. You got to keep moving through your valley. You got to get up in your valley. You got to get out of your pajamas in your valley. Mephobos says, I mean, sure, he got so settled in this lifestyle of Lodi Bar. I mean, everybody else that was there had a story of unfair, just like he did. And everybody knew what Lodi Bar sounded like, what Lodi Bar looked like. And I'm pretty sure that the, the conversation in Lodi Bar was pretty depressing. And I know for a fact there were no happy, clappy meetings in Lodi Bar. And here's what you need to know it's amazing. How we can end up changing our behavior because of our environment. Tell me, some of you used to be so hopeful. And now you're just feeling hopeless. Some of you used to be the first ones to sign up for a small group. I'm there. I'm leading it. I'm going to do this. And now you're like, hmm, don't even know if I want to go. What happened? What happens is is that bar starts to change you. It starts to change who you are. And that's the reason that we we have to remind ourselves, this is not my destination. I'm passing through, and I'm going to get through it as fast as I can. I'm going to get through it with my attitude, with my confession, because this is what God has called me to. We have to leave Lodi Bar. So when the envoy came, From King David, they came up to Mephibosheth and they said, the king would like you to come to the royal household. I mean, I can just imagine Lodibor, at least Mephibosheth, looking down at himself saying, I can't go. I mean, I don't have the clothes. I just don't fit. I just don't even know how to behave anymore. And you need to know this, family. In that moment, he had a decision to make. He had to say this. Do I stay right here where I began to feel so very comfortable and I identify with so much, or do I get up? And we all have to make that decision. We all have to make the decision that I'm getting up and I am going to the house of the Lord. I'm getting up and I'm going to read my Bible. I am going to find a small group and maybe I don't even know what that feels like anymore and and I don't even know what comes next. Right? But we've got to start telling ourselves, I am not going to behave like that. And I've said this so many times, and I really believe it, that the less you do, the less you want to do. It's almost like you're getting engulfed in this lethargy, in this nothingness. You feel like you're in a pit of nothingness. So family, we've got to motivate ourselves. We've really got to say, I am not going to allow Bar to change me. But this you need to know, Lodi Bar can teach me. It can actually teach me how to be more resilient. It can teach me how to stand on the word of God. It can teach me how to praise through the storm. It can teach me what real worship looks like. It can teach me. And the lessons that we learn in Lodi Bar will build a future even greater than we can even ask or think or imagine. I want to tell you, when you get out of Bar and you make it pay, let me tell you, the enemy hates it. So don't allow him to think that you have become a permanent resident in a temporary place. It is not your final destination. And I kind of feel like I'm speaking to somebody right now, whether you're in the, in the theater or here or maybe at home. You need to know this is not your final destination. The end of your job is not your final destination. And that fear that feels like it's eating you up right now is not your final destination. Today, I want you to hear this loud and clear. You've got to get up. You've got to get ready for the envoy of God's invitation to leave Lodi Bar. And you might have to leave some company behind that you made in Lodibar. And you may need to change your conversation a little bit that you used in Bar, And you may even have to sign up for a small group and find freedom to keep you out of Bar. But remember this. I want to tell you the story. Do you remember when, when Jesus walked past the disciples' boats? All he said was this. He said, follow me. Right? I mean, he didn't go there to them and say, well, you know, guys, I've kind of got this idea And, um, you know, I've already, I'm recruiting right now, and and these guys over here have already signed up, and, and, you know, this is their their personality type, and this is their profile, and, and, you know, we just, we really think that you would be such a good fit, and and we would like you to join us, because we think this is a perfect combination of people just for you, and maybe you'd like to think about it a little bit, and maybe you want to see their picture, (laughs) he do do that, you can do anything like that. He says, you want to leave the boat, follow me, right? You want to leave Lodi Bar. Family, you've got to say yes when the envoy comes. You want to move out of there. You've got to get into the next thing. You've got to get dressed. You've got to get up because Lodi Bar is not your final destination. Let me take you to number three, and I love this part. Because what does it say here? It says, your infirmity is not your identity, but it can become your place of authority. Now, you know, when you read the story of Mephibosheth, it's actually quite sad because very few people actually refer to him by name. They rather refer to his disabled, crippled condition. You know, when David says, is there anybody? I mean, the first thing the servant says is, well, you know, there's the lame guy. And you know, throughout the story, there's there's people all the time. It's, oh, the cripple, oh, the guy that was dropped, you know. Nobody says his name. In fact, this infirmity even affected the way Mephibosheth saw himself. Because, you know, when he finally meets King David, let's just have a look at verse 7. It says, don't be afraid, David says to him, for I will surely show you kindness for the sake of your father, Jonathan. I will restore, listen to this, all the land that belonged to your grandfather. And, listen to this, you will always eat at my table. Family, God doesn't just write the story a little bit differently. He completely blows Bar away. <laughs> he says, I mean, you, you've been in Bar. I mean, guess where you're going. You're going to be eating at the king's table. Oh, you feel like you've lost some things. Well, I'm going to restore everything plus more. God doesn't just write a little bit better than Bar. You see, life, God has a whole other level of your life when we come out of this season of unfair. And so really, the king is telling him of all that he wants to do for him. And this is how Mephibosheth responds. He says, it says, Mephibosheth, bowed down and he said, what is your servant that you should show, take notice of, of a dead dog like me? Tell I mean, he lost such, such a sense of value, such a sense of worth, even about himself, that he refers to himself in a way where his infirmity caused him to see himself differently. Now, now I don't know what it is that's hurt you. And I don't know maybe even harmed you. And I don't know maybe who has walked away from you or maybe what has been said about you. But I want to say this to you. You, Really, you cannot allow this time of unfair to become your identity. Because if you do, you'll be known as that one who is always bitter. You will be known as that one that always feels betrayed. You'll you'll be known as that one that's always mad at the world if you allow it to identify you. But instead of allowing your infirmity to become your identity, why not use it as a platform of authority? Why not say, you know, that which the enemy meant for evil, God is going to use it for good. Why not say, where I've lost, I'm going to see so much more And and maybe I'm an ex-addict where I can say, listen, I broke free, you can break free too. Why don't you stand on that very place that the enemy meant to maim you and to lame you and say, I have authority because I have left Lodi Bar and I'm going to be eating at the king's table because you need to know my family, you are invited to a seat at the king's table. So you want to start putting down that happy meal that the enemy keeps wanting to give you as a substitute. There is nothing happy about that happy meal. So really stop living off a lesser meal that life keeps serving to you when you are called to a banquet at the king's table. And let me tell you what happens when you come to the king's table. I mean, everybody, everybody calls you by name. When Mephibosheth came to to the king's table, I mean, they didn't call him anymore the lame, crippled one at the king's table. Because they had to show some respect, I mean, to everybody who sits at that table. So as soon as he got to the king's table, it was, Mephibosheth, would you like to sit here? Mephibosheth, can I bring you a drink? Yes, please. (laughs) Mephibosheth, are you ready for your next course? They were all calling him by name once he entered into the area of the king's table. Not in Lodibar, but in this household, everyone called him by name. Here's what I want you to know. Do you know what the name Mephibosheth means? It means the destroyer of shame. God used that very thing that it made him feel so embarrassed. That very thing that made him feel so crippled and bent over in, sh- in, in pain. He meant use that very, very thing that that tried to identify him and relocate him. And God said, no, no. I will call you by name. And every time I call you by name, I, we will destroy the shame that that enemy tried to put on you. Every time I call you by name, you will walk away with an authority that comes from the place that that enemy thought would forever be your infirmity. You see, when God calls you by name, you are not called the names that Lodibar tries to give you. Now, you may be in a season right now that you really feel is very unfair, but I want to remind you again that God's favor is also unfair. And family, God's favor and His goodness and His grace rewrites your story every single time. So wherever this finds you today, and I really want you to know that you are not meant to live in Lodi Bar. And more than that, there are people around you right now who are camped out in Lodi Bar, and you need to call them and you need to say, You are my mind. Can I collect you? Would you like to come to a freedom group with me? Can I just come and pray with you through the situation? Why? Because you need to know that there is an invitation to leave Lodi Bar and come to the King's table because you deserve a seat at the king's table, because you are a child of the most high God. So family, I, I really would like to just pray with you in a moment, because I, I, as I said, I don't know where this finds you, and, and maybe in, in, in a moment or say, so you, "You, maybe you're just saying right now, you know what, I just, I feel, I feel like I've just even so far from God, I, I feel like I've almost forgotten who I am. I, I feel like I'm de- identifying with Ba. I feel like I'm being engulfed by lethargy and, and nothingness. But you need to know today, you don't have to be lost in your unfair because you are found tonight. There is an invitation for you to come to the King's table. And I, just, I would really like to just pray for every single person. And if you're in a good place right now, I'd like you just to keep people in prayer because we really want to pray for people who are going through this unfair situation. Amen. Can I just ask everybody just to, to bow your head, just close your eyes for a moment? Father God, thank you, Lord, for this message. And thank you, Father God, that in our hearts, We know that you have called us to a place at the king's table. And Father, we want to lift before you tonight every single person that finds themselves in this unfair scenario, Father, that they feel like they're camping out in in a place of no pasture, of no word and no thing. I want to ask you, Father God, that right now, Father, that those chains would be broken. And thank you, Father God, that 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 you lead them through this area of unfair, that they feel that they can't really navigate on their own. Thank you, Father God, that all those things that the, the, the enemy meant for evil, Father, that you would use it for good in their lives, Father. Thank you that right now that they would stand and make a decision to say, I am stepping out of Lodi Bar and I am going to the king's table. I receive what you have for me tonight, Lord Jesus. And Father, I thank you, Lord God, right now that you minister to many hearts, many lives, right there where each person is sitting in Jesus' name. And while your heads are bowed and and your eyes are closed, I also want to just put an invitation out there as well, that if you have never made Jesus the Lord of your life, if you really feel maybe in the season that you you just seem to be so far from God, in fact, maybe you've even blamed God for the situation that you find yourself in. And tonight you want to say, I can see what's happened, that I just feel like I've been trapped, but I can be set free tonight. Maybe you just feel that you want to reserve a seat at the king's table for all of eternity to know that you have a place in heaven. And if that's you, I'm going to count to three and ask you if you would just raise your hand. If you want to receive Jesus as your personal Lord and Savior, if you want to be sure that you're going to heaven, and if you want to rededicate your life to the Lord tonight, so whether you're right here in the auditorium, whether you're there in the theater, or whether you're at home, doesn't matter who you're with, I Count to three. I'm going to ask you to raise your hand because I want you to know the Holy Spirit can see exactly where you are. So raise your hand right now one, two, three. Just raise your hand up real high. Which we're going to do is say a sad little prayer in a moment. We're going to just pray together and you will know that God has touched your life tonight. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Jesus. Thank you, Lord. Thank you, Lord. I know that's you. You're sitting there and your heart's pounding. That's you. Just raise your hand. God wants to change your life. He wants you to come home tonight. Just say this prayer after me right now. Father, I thank you that you gave your son to set me free. Tonight, Lord Jesus, I receive you as my personal Lord and Savior. I ask you to forgive me for all of my sins. I thank you tonight that I say, Yes, I am going to leave Lodi Bar to step into your kingdom. In the name of Jesus. Amen. Praise the Lord. Family, so if that's you, if you receive the Lord Jesus tonight, we want to give you a ready, ready, big hand clap. Praise the Lord. Thank you, Jesus.